Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning, and what a night it was. It is time to skip the BS, time for Undisputed, time for Michael Irvin and I to talk instant classic Alabama, Michigan. Richard Sherman will join us in just a few minutes, and we will then debate Richard's opinion that the Cowboys should rest all of their older stars at Washington. Really, Richard? We'll talk about that. And we'll get into whether Lamar should play in the Ravens' meaningless finale against Pittsburgh in Baltimore. I say he definitely should play for his psyche's sake. I will also have a whole lot to say about the finish of Texas-Washington very late last night. Look, I was raised to hate Texas. I'm an Oklahoma Sooner fan by birth. But I must admit, Texas got robbed last night. But before we get to all that, first... Last night's first game, Bama-Michigan, overtime. Blake Corum made one huge play in overtime. Then on the final play of the game, Jalen Milrow got sabotaged by a low snap, got stonewalled on fourth and goal from the three, and much to the NCAA chagrin, Jim Harbaugh advances to the national championship game, 27-20. to I said here yesterday on the show that Michigan is just overall a little bit better than Alabama. The truth was Michigan played a shockingly sloppy game, especially on special teams, and still got away with it, still survived. I like Michigan over Washington by 10 next Monday night for the national championship. Michigan is favored in that game by four and a half. But Michael Irvin, what was your biggest takeaway from last night's Bama-Michigan? Well, first... The first thing I did was break out in joy because of what you just said about everybody with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan getting in. Yeah, getting in. And no, no, listen, after that, my thought went to this. But that was great. That was a great game. And after the second game, I said, oh, I think they got that right. The yeah. committee got that right. You know what I mean? We were yeah. all in noise. Right? And I feel for Florida State, but yeah. two games that ended on the very last play of the game. You know it. what I mean? Those games no. th- th- Those games were tight. Those games were tight. They, were they, tight. they, they got it right. They that, were right. That, was, that was my first thought. They were right. Great they were great games. Agreed. Great games. Now, 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 Skip, also Skip, though, uh, on this I went into that game thinking also, 
I can't wait to see what happens with Michigan up front because you you believe you said I believe Michigan's good enough. I thought Alabama would be too much on the outside. They'll make plays up the field. Try but to you take were away. torn about it. You said you you were on the I, fence no, no, about it. Yeah, right. I wanted Michigan to win. Yeah. I, I wanted Michigan to win. I wanted a Michigan Texas a finals. I, that's just I'm just being real about that. But I'm going to take I'll, I'll take what we got and this will be a good one. I think this will be a good one. But well, to watch to watch. Michigan play the, 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 on along the line of scrimmage with the Alabama like that. That that was shocking to see that defense, that defense, and and you saw those kids, man. You watched the interviews afterwards. Those all those kids all talked about, man. We, we made a commitment. They talked. We talked before this game that who, what what we would be willing to do to get back here. To get this opportunity, everybody talked about putting everything on the line. Yep. They, they were just such a committed team. They were together. I, I thought that was a great game and a great win. Ooh, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. He's the hottest name in coaching right yeah. now. I, I, I said this, Skip. I said what the devil meant for evil. God made it good with him. Because all of that bad, them bad press you about get everybody through on Michigan – all it did was put more eyes on them, and they showed up and won that game, as you said, even playing not at their best game. Not at their best. Okay, so in the biggest picture, we have a Michigan team that is on a mission to win one for their head coach right. who got suspended, of course, twice last year, early, then late. And this team believes that Jim Harbaugh got done wrong by the NCAA and by the Big Ten. And yet, I think we're all pretty sure he actually did some wrong to get suspended, but that's a whole nother issue because that team is on fire to win one for its much maligned head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Okay, so the shock to me, Michael, was I still believe Michigan's a little better across the board than Alabama, even though Jalen Milrow has the capability of playing at a higher level to me than J.J. McCarthy right. does. He didn't right. last night consistently. J.J. was a little overamped from the start and didn't play his best game either. But before we get deep into what happened late in the game, uh, allow me to show you quickly, one thing I'm going to tell you quickly, about all the special teams' blunders that Michigan had to overcome. Right. This is un-Jim yeah. Harbaugh. This is un-Michigan. Yep, this is so out of character for Michigan. We start with the punting, which I can't show in you. In the but, first play. It, the, yeah. the first play, too, Skip, the first play, remember? It, it, fortunately, that kid's heel was on the line, it was. out of bounds already. Okay, they started the game with an interception. That, that wasn't a special teams play, but J.J. McCarthy was just over-amped. Right. I have no idea. You want to talk about deer and headlights. You want to talk about just going blind and just throwing it to Alabama? I don't know what this is. And I'm, I don't I'm know not, where this throw is. I, I don't either, and I'm not sure that heel touched down out of bounds. I'm not sure about that, but it saved Michigan from an early hole that they could have been in. And, and you're right. Yeah. You're right, Skip, because when you look, when they showed that one angle, you can see that hill kind of up, I, right? You know what I mean? I don't know. It was up. Okay. But so, it, it was hard to see. I think it was too much right. to overturn. So, again, biggest picture was it turned in weirdly a turn. punting battle. And that kid from Australia who punts for Michigan, I mean, for Alabama, was really good last night. Seven times yeah. for an average of 50 yards and five of seven pinned Michigan inside the 20. Well, as you know, Michael, if you can keep doing that, 
you're going to put the other team at a severe disadvantage. And Michigan was playing uphill the whole night because they were trapped inside oh, wow. their 20. And the kid who punts for Michigan, that's my one concern about them going to the championship game, Tommy Dolman, he, he, I don't know if he's just having a bad night or miss hitting the ball. I, I, maybe the pressure was getting to him a little bit. He punted six times for an average of only 40 yards, none inside the 20-yard line. And I kept saying he's letting Alabama off the hook and off the hook and off the hook with poor uh. punts. Okay, so then we get to the freshman that Jim Harbaugh has back fielding punts mm. until the very end of the game. Uh. But oh. the kid Morgan... Can we see what he did on the early punt? This is 11.52 left in the first quarter. I don't know what possesses him, but he decides to try to make a running full-speed catch. <clears throat> Michael, back in your day, you, you fielded a few punts. There are some punts you just have to not mess with, right? There are some that right. aren't worth the trouble. It's, it's high risk, high reward, but it's higher risk. And he leaves the ball on the ground for Alabama, and they take it and go right Boom, 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 in for the touchdown, and it's seven to nothing. And the great stat, Michael, is that that Alabama over the last seven seasons was 66 and 0 when they take a seven to nothing lead in the first quarter. 66 and 0. So Michigan is really up against it now because it's seven to nothing Alabama early in the first quarter. But as you know, they roar right back and score at seven all. All right, so then we've got after the, the, they score again to go up 13-7, to seven, can we see what they did with the extra point snap? Again, this is so not Michigan. It's so not Jim Harbaugh. If we could see this, the extra point snap, it's just, I, it's just horrible. And the, the holder doesn't even stop it. It goes right under his hands all the way back. And obviously, all they can do is just fall on it. And, and there you go with a point that looked like it was going to haunt Michigan the whole game because they, they felt like they it was like they were chasing that point. Then while Alabama's yep. superb kicker made two bombs from 50 plus, then James Turner from Michigan, if we can see what happened to him, he's got a 49 yarder. These are crucial points in a tight game. And what does he do? This is not Michigan. This is not what they do. He snap hooks it left. And all of a sudden, I'm saying, well, there's four points you gave away, including the extra point that you botched. And we get all the way to the end of the game. And Harbaugh says, I'm going to put my senior back there to catch that final punt named Jake Thaw. And let's see what the senior did on the final punt of regulation. Is this not near disaster, Michael? He waves. I don't know why he even. Just let it go. He goes in. Yes, right. let it go. You're, it he catches this the like on the five-yard line. Come on. And how fortunate oh. were they that he didn't get tackled for a safety that would have lost the game? It, it's oh, at the yeah, half-yard that, that, no, that he Ooh. held on to that ball even when he picked it up the second time oh. with that force coming at him. That ball usually – that ball is usually back out of your hands in that kind of position, that kind of situation, when you're picking it up that way and force hits you. By the way, did you catch punts in high school? I can't remember. I, I, I did do punts in high school. That's what I, 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 I did it one time. I'll tell you right, fast, Kill. All right, that's right? fine. I didn't want to catch punts. I didn't want to catch punts, and I got to Miami, you know, since we were talking about Jimmy, and Jimmy put me back here, put me back there, and Melvin Braddon said to me, 
all you have to do is drop one, Michael. You know, Jimmy, oh, he did any mistake. Yep. So, yep. Right, so you won't ever have to do it again. We were playing Rice. And I was like, we're going to beat Rice. We'll beat Rice. And that first punt came. And I did drop that you punt. You dropped it. You on know, purpose? And, 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 and I, 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 I dropped it. I like to I won't say I dropped it on purpose, but I dropped it. He said I'll never catch it again. And I never did. So that's just my quick story. That. It was the only time. All right. It was the only time. Yeah, I remember your but, predecessor at receiver, Butch Johnson. This is going way back in the day. He once caught a big touchdown pass from Roger uh, Staubach in the Denver Super Bowl victory. But Landry used to make him catch punts, and he despised it. He said it was the I, hardest I, I, thing to do in football because it, you got people staring down on you at full speed in the wind and but, maybe some rain. And you're trying to watch the tail of that ball and which way it spins. That'll tell you which way the ball is dropping. And you and what he saw, the tail spinning away. When they tell you the tail is spinning away from you, you have to chase it like that. They say, let that go. Let it go because it's a hard ball as it drops. So, yeah, that was, that was a big mistake. But, boy. And I'm telling you, seriously, for him to hold on to that ball once he got his hands on it, because that's force coming with him, that usually that ball pops right back up. That's not, not a safety. That should have been a touchdown. Touchdown. That should have been a touchdown he got for Alabama. He got rocked, and he hung on he, he, to your life. He got rocked. Also, Skip, we are talking about it earlier, Skip. It, you know, yeah. this, this I thought about, because I, I remember talking to Afiz about the game, and I said, man, I wanted Michigan to win, as I told you guys the other day, and, and I said, man, the only way I see it is if Melrose kind of, if Jalen kind of kind of fall back to how he started the season a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? And then I started, and I said to him, I said, no, no, I really like that kid's story, and he I stood up and stood up for himself. I, I, I want him to somehow, somehow have a good game, yeah. but still work it out for Michigan. But I think the layoff was a little too long for him. It may you know, have been. He had a good rhythm going. And late in this game, late in this game, they had a chance to win this game. That throw right here yep. that he missed, and I said, oh, man, man he, th th those were throws that if you make these throws, You're right. uh, yep. they, they, they have a chance at kicking they that do. field goal and yep. winning that game in regulation. So, yeah, I, I felt bad for him in the end. I, you saw how frustrated he was, he was throwing his helmet at the end. And I, I, I felt bad for him. Okay, and he got sacked six times, five times in the first half, which made it disastrous right. for Alabama. Right. Okay, in the end of regulation, <clears throat> I did not think the other quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, was capable under this kind of pressure and this kind of duress from the Alabama defense, which had figured him out in the second half. I did not think he could go 75 yards in eight plays for a touchdown, which he pulled off. But the key throw came with 210 left in that drive. It's a 29-yarder to, to Roman Wilson, if you remember this. The ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. Oh. It's, it's too high, and Roman Wilson still is able to rise up. He's not the biggest kid. And snatch it out of the Rose Bowl Pasadena sky. This ball is tipped at the line and goes up. And that's the play of the game for Michigan because that puts them, that sets them up in business inside the five-yard line, and they cash that in on a little pop pass. So the, the right. point is, now I, I thought maybe Harbaugh might even go for go for two at that point, but he went ahead and took the point. So now we're going to overtime, and I still doubted that J.J. McCarthy could settle himself down enough to make enough plays to outplay Jalen Milrow in overtime, but it didn't matter about J.J. McCarthy because if we could right. see the two carries 
in overtime by Blake Corum. He is a small man with a big heart, and he is hard to get on the ground. The first carry, he bounces it out to the right and escapes a couple tackles and makes eight yards. Yeah. Right, and, that, that, and I'm telling you, you said great following his blockers right here. He is. And, and I thought, you know, you, what they tell you in two-minute drills yeah. and, and games like this, get that first first down. Yeah. If you get the first first down, everything settles down. So my thought here was, oh, okay, okay, that's a good first first <laughs> first first play, eight yards. You get this first first down, this may work out. Yeah. And then the next play, it was. Whew. Yeah, and Michael. Does he remind you at all just a little bit of Emmett where he can duck and dart behind big offensive linemen? It's just hard to find him before he, you know, skitters upfield. Is there any Emmett in, going in, on there? In, in hitting balance. In, yeah. in hit, what yes. I call hitting balance. Yeah. You know, that touchdown, that touchdown play, when he runs, that's it. Emmett would do that all. It's his hit balance. He, one person would hit him this way. He'll balance back up, get hit back that way, and yep. spin right on in the end zone. I've yep. seen him do that uh, many a time. And Watch. what a great run this is. And he, I, I thought he was down at the three, but it's uh. a neck tackle, and he spins out of it. He's got quick feet. Right. He has got what, yeah. you know, Norv Turner used to say about Emmett, he's got such great quickness in a confined space. So does this kid. I'm not saying he's Emmett Smith, right. but he's got some right, similarities. Right. Some similarities. And, 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 and I think it, it's so funny because you see, you see Emmett don't like he's running that fast, moving up the field, but he does have quick feet in those small areas, man. Let yeah. me tell you something. That that it, what was that that drive that Michigan made and those plays that you just showed in, in overtime. This was a team that that made up their mind they're not losing that football game. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's what you talk, you talk about, uh, uh, that pass, that, that, that big play. This was a team that came together. And I thought, because I thought, usually you're going in overtime, uh, they, they, can't, they won't hold yeah. up in overtime. Agreed. They, they were the fresher team. They were the fresher team. They were team. They were the team that was more ready to say, let's, let's keep battling. So I, I said to myself, oh, this team's not losing. Yep. Okay. So now we get to Alabama's final possession. They got a match seven to, to keep yeah. the game going in overtime, to get it to double overtime. And it comes down to fourth and goal at the three-yard line. And each team, there, there are two timeouts called, one by Michigan, right. one by Alabama, as they're playing chess back and forth. And Coach Saban said after the game that they actually changed the play three times with each timeout. Timeout change, timeout change, and then they change again. So it's three different ideas. He would not say what the first two ideas were, the concepts. But you know what happened on fourth and goal from the three. I was virtually certain it was going to be Jalen Milrow running. I didn't know if he'd roll out and do run pass option. But he the, the snap is low. Maybe it, it blew the timing of the play. Maybe he didn't get off that, you know, out of the blocks quite uh, on time. Right there. Yeah. Right there, that block where he we got 65 knocked back into Miro's right there, right there. Yep. That that that's what Skip. That's what they're talking about when they say you got to move this line of scrimmage. Yeah. And they move that line of scrimmage. They okay. they, they reset it, and, and that, that's surprising to see Alabama get handled like they that got on handled. the line of scrimmage. They, they got handled. And Michael, to me. That was, I know these are just kids, but that was a manhood play. That was just strength on strength. Yeah. It was will on will. And one thing I love about Jalen Milrow, he, 
his height and weight are not listed at that. He, he, he doesn't say he's like 6'2", 215, but he runs like he's 240 to me. And he runs with incredible acceleration and incredible power and incredible will. So I, I can't hate the idea of putting the game in Jalen's hands, but it was such a simple play. It's just Jalen, run it down their throats. There, there's no flash right, and dash right. to it. There's no whipped cream to it. There's nothing cute about right. it. It's just Jalen, take it and run straight up the gut. And what Saban said after the game was, we thought they were going to sort of all out blitz. We thought they were going to pressure from everywhere and that we could hit a gap. So Jalen was supposed to mm. look for the gap and split potential blitzers mm. and, and try to get two, three. Like if you hit a gap, you're going to score. But, but obviously he just ran right into a big blue stone wall in the middle of the field and he went nowhere fast. So, Michael, yeah. was there any – did you sit back and say, gee, should you have tried to do something a little more deceptive, a little more tricky? You know, is there a Tim Tebow jump pass in the repertoire where you take it and, right. you know, look like you're going to run with it and jump at the last second and pop it to one of your wideouts? Is there a, a, a sprint right option, which is a you know run pass option, where you roll him out and let him have the option? And that's what I would have wanted, Skip. That's okay. what I that's what I thought you to try. You know, because listen, we, we we just talked about how yeah. how this this is this had been a trench battle. This had been a trench battle. You know, Alabama is usually dominating the trenches, and this had been a battle. Yeah. I am not going to just for for the whole game. Everything's on the line right here. Just run him in right up into that whole battle. This is like you said. This kid can move. Can I'm going to get him outside, and move. even you know, in some kind of way, I wanted to get him outside. I wanted to get him on a sprint option, like you say, to give yeah. me two options. Yeah. To give me somebody short, somebody deep, and his ability to run. Agreed. And his ability to run. I'll sprint the first man out with him running wide. Then I'll send a back man to the back end zone. And the other man coming across late, coming across late with him sprinting to one side, Sprinting to one side, man. I just want to have all those options on that play. Agreed. Because if it don't work, you give you, you put the ball in the end zone and give them a chance to make a play. Yeah. But that play right there, I, I was shocked that they ran that play. All right. So, in the end, remember what Jim Harbaugh said just before the game on ESPN, that he could not remember a game he had coached in which he believed going in that that it would be won and lost in the trenches like this one. To your point, th right. this is just – this is strength on strength. Who, who is going to be the mentally and physically tougher team in the interior offensive-defensive lines? And I think right. Michigan finally asserted its will. And, by the way, that, right. that kid who's from out here in Orange County, that Mason Graham from Michigan, right. he yeah. was just unblockable. But, I, I got to tell you. Well, um, Boy, the, the defensive player of the game. He was. The defensive player of the game. He was in, in, insanely incredible. 55. Now, and also, you know That's what? That's exactly I heard right. Jenkins, right. I heard Jenkins talking about it, too. And Jenkins said, which, which I told you guys shocked me. He was like, listen, we knew right away when we made that first hit, he says, you can tell if somebody's in for the fight all day. Yeah. And I was like, boy, that's Alabama. Stop playing. Boy, you up there talking noise now. That's Alabama. Alabama's always in for the fight. But, but Skip, even that, 
when you watch those kids, they got great personalities, man. It made me want to root for them. You know, that, that Jenkins kid, I'm watching him afterwards. I was like, he had a great personality. He's going he to play. He's going to be doing TV afterwards. He is. Because he's no, a he great-looking kid. I, I agree. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. father could play. But that Mason Graham scared me because I'm afraid he's going to wind up being a little better than the guy we drafted in the first round this past draft out of Michigan, Mozzie Smith, who has yet to so, sort of get his feet underneath him as a pro football player. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. I hope so. But, man, that Mason Graham was something. <laughs> but if you look. Another T.J. Watt situation, you think that looks like another T.J. Yes, Watt situation where we on. lose out so, on Watt. So in the right. end, Alabama goes three for 13 on third down, but Michigan only went two for 11 on third down, didn't make the, the two fourth downs that it, it converted. But it, Alabama was held to 288 total yards in a national semifinal. That will work. So Michigan's defense did hold up, kept Jalen Milrow to a low roar. And I think they, in the end, deserve to win. And I do think they're going to win the national championship. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. All right. We got to get Richard Sherman back involved here in just a couple of minutes. He says the Cowboys should rest their older stars Sunday yeah, at Washington. Rest their older Really? Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> no mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers the string trimmers and more right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer real steel the FS56 RCE is made in America of US and global materials offer valid through June 16 2024 see participating retailer for details Okay, Richard Sherman, good morning to you. You made the case yesterday that with an aging and beat-up offensive line, the Cowboys would be better off resting some of their starters Sunday at Washington and heading healthier into the playoffs, even if it happens to be on the road. I'm intrigued by the idea, but still unconvinced. Would you please tell me, tell Michael Moore? Well, Skip, you're talking about an offensive line that has missed a lot of games this season. Uh, your guy Tyler Smith missed two initially to start the season with a hamstring injury, tore his plantar fascia in this last game yeah. uh, against the Lions. They're saying that he can play through it, but I just I, I don't think it's necessary. I, I think if you don't think you can beat the Washington Commanders with some of your backups playing, then, then I, I don't think you're prepared for the playoffs anyway. And Tyron Smith missed the Miami game with a back injury. And so do you want to risk him missing these playoff games where you don't get a second chance? You don't get another another go at it. You don't get another bite at the apple. I think it's in your team's best interest to rest the left tackle for the four-game, potential four-game stretch to push you to the Super Bowl and give you the best chance rather than have him play a, a, a semi-meaningless a game against the commanders that you should and could win without him playing in the game. And Tyler Smith, we talk about his plantar fascia. I don't know. I've never played with that injury. I've never had that injury. They say it's better to fully tear it than to partially tear it. Yep. Because if you fully tear it, then you don't have the lingering pain. It's kind of a pain tolerance thing that you got to deal with. Yep. But 
Stephon Gilmore is the same. You know, a lot of legs on a, on a corner throughout the season. He's had to follow number one receivers. Do you need him against the Washington Commanders to win this game? You shouldn't, but I think he's healthy enough to play. But these are the things you have to think about if you're thinking about making a major run in these playoffs. And if you don't think about these things, that's when you run into these stumbles and you're, you run into situations where, you know, Tyron's sitting there in year 13, banged up in the playoffs, and you're trying to figure out how to get him, keep him out there, and you can't because you didn't. You decided not to rest him in a Week 17 game where you could have. So, Richard, to sum it up, you would rest Tyron and Tyler and Zach Martin and Stephon Gilmore. No. No? No, I mean, Zach Martin seems relatively healthy, unless they're, I'm missing something and he's not healthy. Two, two games back, he got kicked in the quad and he missed the, yeah, the, quad the rest of that game. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, go, Michael. Uh, listen, and, and I understand what Richard is saying from a standpoint of the wear and tear on our, on our big guys, and they, they do have some wear and tear. But I, I've always been a little leery of this scenario when we start getting down to the end of the season and everybody's talking about resting or not resting. You know, I subscribe to what Jimmy used to always say is you don't just lose the Sunday on the game day. You lo- if I tell you this early on, I lose the whole week of preparation. So you're not mentally prepared to really play a game. That, that, that's what I hate. And the Cowboys are the worst with it. They're the worst. Whenever they rest players, they come out the worst. They come out sloppy. They just they can't do. stay I on tag. You know, because yep. they don't have the pressing coach to push them through no. it. That, 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 you know, they, they really take the day off. They take the mental off. They take the time off. And they come back. And I said, oh, my God, we didn't need that rest. And I worry about that. Somehow, some way. What Mike McCarthy has to do is, is thread this needle. He has to be able to somehow keep them motivated, keep them involved, keep them moving, and most importantly, win this game so you can play at home as to opposed to going on the road. You cannot go into this game thinking, well, I can pull players and we can still win this game. I tell you all the time, no one, everybody always have a plan. The game will dictate the plan. We're talking basketball. They wanted to play LeBron this many minutes. That's great. You got a thought. But the game going to tell you what it will happen. And right here, the game has spoken. The Dallas Cowboys got to try to win this last game to get what they want. That's home field advantage. I know you don't get that by with that number two seed. But to bring everybody into the into AT&T Stadium where yeah. the Cowboys have played much, much, no, 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 much, 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 much better is it, it, absolutely worth playing everybody. Okay. Richard Sherman, there's much wisdom in what you have to say. And to your point about Tyler Smith, I've been doing this for a long time. I have never, ever heard of a football player tearing his plantar fascia. Never heard of it. I'm very experienced with that injury because if you've run as many marathons as I have, you are going to have plantar fasciitis. It's going to get inflamed where when you wake up in the morning, you can't even walk on it. I don't know if you guys ever had that in your football career, but the point is they don't tear. I, I have no idea. How did he tear his plantar fascia? It's impossible, but they're making the case now, as Richard pointed out, that to tear it is actually better than to inflame it because right. now it just sits there limp and it's dis- it's uncomfortable 
But if you can sort of tolerate the discomfort of it, you, you can play. So I, I don't know. Okay, so Richard, here's my point back to you. Remember, I'm lifelong diehard Cowboy fan. Remember, I covered this team starting from about 1978 till about 1997. So I'm steeped in the history of this team and this rivalry with Washington. All I know, Richard, is the heavens opened on Sunday. They opened and the NFL God said, let there be Dallas. And we have had as you well know, you have detailed all of our struggles on the road. And all of a sudden, we have two potential home games to get to an NFC right. championship game that we are presuming would be back at San Francisco. Maybe the scene of our crime. Uh, uh, but, unless uh, unless, uh, unless listen, Rams can go into San Francisco I got and somebody Maybe. knock off San Francisco, then you get that into Dallas. You, you can you, have yeah, it happens. It happens. So to me... You, you don't look the gift horse in the eye. You, you don't, or in the mouth. You, you, you don't, you, what you do is you damn the torpedoes. You, you go, I know there's high risk here, but it's high reward. So it's every man on deck to me. I'm going to risk getting Tyron Smith further beat up, inflaming his back injury. I'm going to risk Zach Martin. I'm going to risk Stephon Gilmore because to Michael's point, I need these players to believe it's do or die because they don't want to have to go on the road throughout the playoffs. So if you go play this game the way you should, your 13 and a half point favorites, you should win this game. But trust me on this, Richard Sherman, I have seen a thousand times it feels like in this rivalry where the underdog rose up and spoiled the party for the favorite. And you don't think Washington would feel like they could save their season. They're, what, 4-12 and 12 right now. And you don't think if they could knock off the, the hated Dallas Cowboys at Washington, that, that that would be their Super Bowl? So I've seen crazy things happening in this back to 1974. If, if the longtime Cowboy fans remember the Thanksgiving Day game, Clint Longley came in for Roger Staubach and shocked the, the then called the Redskins, obviously, with a late touchdown pass. That's the kind of miracles that happen for the underdog. I, I don't want to see right. them lose this but game. Skip, remember, they stunk skip, it up the, last the one year. The 1-15 season, was the only, the, we only beat the Washington team yeah. who, who had just who had, was just recently won a Super Bowl. They had just recently won yeah. a Super Bowl. And, yeah. and, and that's the only team we beat. Yeah. Skip, Herb, I hear you, <laughs> but what you what what you're failing to understand is is the end goal of your season is to be holding the trophy, right. not to beat the Washington Commanders, not to not to have the, reg, the the two seed. And you should. I'm not saying this this if they were willing to rest Tyron Smith versus the Miami Dolphins in a have to have it game at the time, then I would assume they'd be willing to rest him right now with the potential to have him for the rest of the playoffs. A back injury is nothing to play over. It's nothing yeah, to fool with. Right. And it definitely doesn't need 60 more snaps if you can help it. And again, you have a capable backup who has played well when, when given his opportunities well enough to protect uh, Dak Prescott's backside in a game against the Washington Commanders and a team that traded away their two best pass rushers to the Chicago Bears and Montez Sweat and Chase Young to the 49ers. So this isn't the ferocious pass rush that the commanders have had 
in past years. This is a different team. So I'm, I'm look, you know me. I think, yeah, I, you know, we're going to do the dance. But in order to give yourself the best chance <laughs> crazy. To, to be successful in a postseason, Ty, Tyron Smith isn't practicing as he is. So I'm not worried about his intensity level. He's only participating in walkthroughs on, on Friday and walkthrough on Saturday. So it's not like this is going to be a different week for him. This is going to be the same week. These are veteran players. These aren't young guys who are like, man, I get the week off. Like, I'm about to go party. These are dudes who understand the task at hand. They understand what we're playing for. They understand the point in the season we are. And they understand it even more so because they're near, they're in the twilight of their careers now. So they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm about to give everything I got for this 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 run. Now, I'm not saying rest every, everybody. You don't rest the, the young guys that are ready to play. Micah Parsons needs to rest. There's a lot of players on this defense that need to go out there and play. A lot of players on this offense. But the guys that are banged up, if you, if you lose them in a meaningless game, week 17, you'll be sick. Uh, January fifteenth, Skip. Okay, it's not Richard. meaningless though. Sir. Yeah. It's not meaningless. You, yeah. you can't. You can't. You can't describe it with that word. You can't put that word prior to game. You can't see a meaningless game when we start out and play all of these games for, for seeding and for positioning in the tournament, in the postseason, and you have an opportunity to go and get the number two seed. Now, here's where I think can really be something good if it happens now. Because remember, remember, I don't know, what time does, does Philly play? You know, what time does Philly play? Because I know the NFL, you know, they set these schedules, so, you know, the games count late, and you have to play. I think it's they're the same up time, against so, us. I think they're same. Okay, okay. so same, same time. Same they time. play the same time. Yeah. So now you are clock watching. So this scenario works out perfectly. If I can get everybody going through a week of practice, and then I can clock watch, and if somebody over the Phillies playing wants to beat Philly, and you see the, the thing going well over there, and you, you say, okay, now we're good, win, lose anyway, because it looks like they're about to lose. I start pulling players. But I got to have this second seed if I'm the Dallas Cowboys. I got to do what I got to do to get But, but having Tyron Smith, doesn't that, 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 that's not the difference maker. You should be able to win this game. You, have, you should have a good enough team to say, hey, Tyron, go rest. We got this one. You're a 13-point favorite for a reason. And if you cannot beat the Washington Commanders without Tyron Smith, then your problems are bigger than who, what I think they are anyway. And so the, the, it's the, I hear what you're saying, Skip, that the risk is worth the reward. It's not. It's not. It's a high-risk, low-reward situation because, cool, you get the number one, the number two seed, but you lose your left tackle for the playoffs. That's not worth the risk. Okay. If you get the three seed and you're telling me I got Tyron Smith for the, 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 the entire playoffs, I guarantee you, you take that instead of missing, potentially losing him. This is a back injury. This is a, this is a, like he's going to take on blocks every single play. This is not, this is not corner. This is not, you know, a position where you can avoid contact. This is offensive line. You're getting contact okay. every single so, play. Richard, can you guarantee Michael and me? that the Cowboys will win Sunday without Tyron and Tyler. You can't. I can't guarantee you you will win with them. So I can't. So what I'm saying is what I can guarantee you is without them in the playoffs, you go home early. I can guarantee you that. So you putting them in harm's way and potentially losing them for the games in the tournament, Skip, if you're saying, hey, I'd rather win this game against the commanders and not have them for the playoffs, then I, I – 
let you do what you do. Richard. Sir, 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 yeah. You know what, sir, sir, the Stanford stuff you got in you, I'm going to tell you something, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make sure when they start playing Miami next year, we going to beat them real good because this Stanford stuff <laughs> is just, you know what I mean? This is just stuff right here. Listen, sir, sir, now, if, if it was reversed, if it was reversed, I, I, I would buy into that. And let me tell you what I mean when I say if it was reversed. If Dallas had played, on the road, the way they played at home, if they had 17 straight road victories right now and, 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 and been had some bad games at home, I would say, man, that makes sense, Sherm. Let's make sure we rest because at worst, we'll be putting back, we'll be put back in our best environment to get to get to, get to where we want to be because we're great on the road. But since we I'm not saying we were disastrous on the road. Three, three and four right now, you know, chance to be four and five. Uh, three and five right now with a chance to be four and five. It's not disastrous if you can split on the road and win every game at home. But the mentality is it's been disastrous. And I can't afford those guys to go back into that mentality because the mentality becomes a man's reality and they just, they may lose on the road. Early. Yeah. So, but, Richard, as you know, we're 16 straight wins at home. And, at home. Yeah, at home. Not on the road. Yeah, 16 straight. And to your point, if, if in fact we were the five seed and we did play at box, I've been telling you for, what, three weeks now, if it's at box, you saw what New Orleans did to Tampa at Tampa, well, we'd have a real good yeah. shot of winning that game. But would yeah. I rather be home unless you told me maybe the Rams somehow fell into playing in the opener at Dallas, the first round game at Dallas? The Rams would scare me even at Dallas. We beat them fairly soundly this year, but they have found themselves, regained their their sort of their balance and their, their attack because that kid can run the ball. So they're a dangerous team right now, even though we just saw the Giants should have beaten them last Sunday. But my point is right. – I, I would take, if we have to go to Baker and beat Baker, I believe we could do that. If, but if you give me two home games to get to San Francisco, thank you, gods. We, we got it. So, But I'm, I'm just saying, Skip, yeah. you're willing to risk your tackles. Yeah. Your tackle and your guard, who's I just don't even understand this injury, so I can't even really speak and speculate on it. No. But I would assume you rest him. I, a torn ligament is just... Uh, I'm a torn tendon, tendon. Um, is not really something you no, play with I at all. But Well, as Michael points out, and I'll point out about Michael's 1995 season in Dallas, they lost twice because North Turner was coaching Washington at that point. Right. He had been coaching Dallas. But, but remember, they lost twice that year to Washington, who wound up 4-12. and 12, So it's, it's got history to it. And as Michael said, they're – their one win his first year, or what was it, your first year in Dallas? Right. Yeah, it was, was right, right. at Washington. No, Troy's first year. Troy's it was first Troy's year. first yeah, year. year. Troy's yeah. first yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, Troy's first year. It was just, just what it is. Those games, those, those two He's, teams, when they match up, they right. match up and things like that happen. And, sir, listen, sir, we're not going to get these injuries. I keep telling you, the Jimmy Johnson curse is gone. <laughs> He's laying his hands on things here. He's covering Agreed. us. Covering us. Hands on. Thank you. All right, we got to get back to the second game last night. I love you, sir. I love you, buddy. I'll be the first to admit I, I hate Texas, but the Longhorns got robbed last night, and I will explain why in just a moment. No mercy. No mercy.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I said right here yesterday on Undisputed that I could not understand Texas being favored by four and a half points over Washington. I said, no, it should be the other way around. I also said no disrespect to Jaden Daniels, but Michael Penix Jr. should have won this year's Heisman Trophy. So it was last night that Michael Penix Jr. threw for 430 yards and two touchdowns without an interception. QBR of 98, scaled 0 to 100. Washington led by 13 with seven minutes left in the game on the way to what felt like, I don't know, a 20-point victory. Then the Huskies nearly blew it. And then Texas got robbed. To me, that was blatant pass interference by Elijah Jackson on A.D. Mitchell in the end zone on the game's final play. Texas deserved one more shot at getting to the national championship game from Washington's six-yard line. Michael, did you see pass interference on that last Quinn Ewers throw? Uh. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this. I, 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 I was trying to find some pass interference in here, and, and I don't see it now. I see where you may be looking at his left arm uh, on his shoulder before, as his right arm is squatting the yes, ball. Yes, But, But, no, I, when I saw that play, my first thought went to, what is he, why, why, why is this ball, why is he lobbing this ball? Why is he putting air under this ball? You know, because... He was going towards the sideline. It wasn't like it was a fade it wasn't route. A fade. So you're going nope. towards the side. Nope. Right. So why are we dropping air? Why are we put floating that ball out there? I thought, why is he not zipping this ball in here? You know, you zip that ball t- towards the top front for towards that front pylon. Yep. And, and and you bring that receiver back down where he can also box him out yep. and make a play. Right towards that top pylon. Yep. I thought that's what that that's what should have been done right here. Yeah, uh, I, I see that left arm okay. on, on his yep. shoulder, but that, that's too. T- that's, a, that's a great play. I thought by the defensive back. Okay, Michael, Ad Mitchell is six feet four inches tall. He he was at Georgia and he caught big passes in both their national championships and their their national championship games, and. He transferred to Texas, and so Ewers is thinking, I got 6'4 on maybe six feet. I, right. I, I just got to throw it up, put a little air underneath it, even though it's not a fade route, and hope he can go up and snatch right. it. He had caught one similar to that. I don't know if it was exactly the same route earlier in the game right. for a touchdown. Okay, so Elijah Jackson takes off and takes his left arm and wraps right. it around A.D. Mitchell's neck. And, and catapults himself. He, he pulls himself. He slingshots himself up into the airspace of A.D. Mitchell at six feet, four inches tall by putting his arm, wrapping his arm around A.D. Mitchell's neck for leverage to throw himself up into the airspace. And it looks like a great defensive play. It was. I just, again, if you see the back angle, if you're looking at it from the rear, as the official was, 
I, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna throw the flag on that because he used the grab, the, the wrap around the neck to project himself, to launch himself up into A.D. Mitchell's airspace to get his hand, his right hand on the ball to bat it down. That's just me. Right, and let me tell you why they won't get that call skip is because they're going to say everyone has a free uh, right to go get the football. And, and, and you left the defensive back facing the quarterback so he doesn't have to worry about looking up or looking back at a certain time. I'm still, if I got 6'4", and you got 5'11", you got 5'8", 5'9", I'm still, and, and, and I'm at this place um, in the field, I got, I got to go, I got to play basketball on the football field here with my big guy. I can't, you know, I, I can't leave the defensive back clear-eyed, cluing the, de- cluing the quarterback and watching when the football comes out. I'm going to have to get him focused on me some kind of way. And then I can turn around and box him out. He's a small dude. I want him not off that ground, and I'm pressing against oh. him so he can't get yeah. off the ground to climb up to the 6'4". You yeah. see what I'm saying? They, gotta take, they should have taken that away from him. Okay, I got it. Now let's look at Michael Penix Jr. I don't know if that was maybe the first night you've really focused on him, but listen, hey, Michael, you want to talk about being able to zing it, that lefty, it's like he's throwing rocket darts, rocket darts, left-handed. It always looks better to me left-handed. I don't know what it is about the optical illusion of it, but just looks like lefties are more accurate and deadly with their throws, but he was just zinging it and zinging it. If we could see the, you can also launch it. Let's see the 77-yarder that pretty much began the game to poke. Yeah. That's just like effortless accuracy oh. and velocity and distance. And this goes down. I have perfect throws. And it's a beautiful throw. And then we got the two touchdown passes. First one is to poke, and he steps up. He can move around, too. That was the he right. it to himself. Right. Okay. And then it's we got a, another one to McMillan here later. This is the second touchdown pass. That's just a rocket dart. I I, I, I love watching him throw the football. I love watching him move and, and, around. He can run it too. And he had he, he, he that left hand. The, the way that that other touchdown came out. Yeah. That reminds you of Michael Vick. That ball jumps yeah. off. Remember that ball used to jump off Michael Vick hand. Woof. It, it, that that remind me of Michael Vick right there. I mean, it's just he 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 has. Listen, I heard people talking about him, even driving into work today, and they talking about, well, Michael Pennant Jr. Where do you think he's going to be? And it was like a late round, maybe a late round first stuff. Like I said, are you joking? That dude? No, man, are you joking? That that when they get through the process, the way that kid moves and the way he throws that ball. Yep off his hands that quick, that fast, and how accurate he is, he's going to – he'll jump up anybody's draft board. He's going to jump up draft boards. I agree. Okay, walk me through this. Walk through it with me, Michael. At 240 left in this game, Washington opts to take a field goal that puts them up nine points. And even the ESPN announcers are saying, boy, Washington's going to have to make a huge mistake here for Texas to get back in the game. So there's an onside kick by Texas that gets recovered by Washington. So they have the ball at Texas 44 with 109 left. And so the, the point is, oh, I'm sorry, it, yeah, yeah, 109 left. And they, they run three plays and they go nowhere. And they have to kick the ball away. And Texas is going to get the ball back with 45 seconds left. 
And look what happens on the punt fair catch. Washington does exactly what Washington cannot do at this point. The Ooh. kid interferes with the, the fair catch. Well, that's 15 more yards. So they were going to be at their 16, and all of a sudden they have the ball out at the 31-yard line. Well, at this point, you're in some trouble because all of a sudden Quinn Ewers can throw, and he, he hits, <coughs> if we'd see the throw to Whittington for 41. This is on third and 10. He went incomplete, incomplete, and then third and 10. This is to Whittington, and I said, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. here we go. Oh, yeah. and, <laughs> now, Michael, who picked Texas, in part because he lives oh, in Dallas. What a play. This is like in, what a play. In, yeah, this is a play. This is a back shoulder. What a play. The DB falls down. And then he he follows that up mm. two plays later with a, a throw to the freshman blue that I did not think he handled cleanly before he went out of bounds, but they gave it to him. This is to But blue. they gave it to him. Yeah. I thought I, I I thought so too. I said, Oh my God, that thing looked like a, a, a little bit, just a little tad, because he was bobbling it right, 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 moved it right here. Oof. Yep. But they gave it to him. Okay. So all of a sudden, they are set up shop down first and 10 at the 12. And they run a couple uh, plays, and then it gets to third and 11. And it looks like the time yeah. is going to run out if we can see the third and 11 play because Ewers is chased by a, a free rusher. And he's about to get sacked, and he throws it out of bounds. And, and it, it. The, the clock says zeros, and they, they gave it to him. They right. gave him one second. So you get one last No, play. no, no, no. It, it was actually two seconds. That, it really should have been two seconds put back on Thank that you. clock. When you looked yeah. at the clock, when that ball went out of bounds, because when it went out of bounds the first time, I said, boy, that dude must – he must go to he goes to Washington because they let that clock. He clearly okh. went out of bounds. Thought it was home at two seconds. Yeah, right. That was All a right. home cooking. He's, he's from Seattle, Washington. But they came back. They came back and they, they, they gave him. They gave him the time. Two or one seconds wouldn't have made a difference. You only got one play. Yeah. And and that, that's what I said. As long as you got that one play, so the two or one seconds didn't make a difference. And okay. we talked about the play that they chose, which I would have liked to have made chose a different play. Yeah, so it's now fourth and 11 from the 13, and that last play happens, and the game ends, and Washington survives, what was it, 27 to 21 on this final play. And again, I thought they deserved one more shot. Because remember, in, as, as you know, Michael, in college football, it's not a spot foul on pass interference the way it is in pro football, so it's 15 right. yards. So they would have got half the distance. They would have had one untimed down, one more throw into the end zone from about right. six, six and a half yards away. So I thought they deserved it. You didn't. But now but, onward and right. upward to the but, Monday but, but, night. But you see yeah. the skip? The skip yeah. He had so much time back here to throw when he, he let did. that ball go. Yeah. He had so much time. I could have drove. I should, man, I could drive my receiver off and then come back and um and you you win that game right there. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, you win that game. I'm surprised that all all these backers, linebackers. Why are they not dropping farther off? And you know what I mean. Being able to help or be able to run up under that because he has to throw in the end zone. All of that field. That's a, that that doesn't matter. You got to get the ball in the end zone right there yeah. for that one second. So Washington, it was sort of insult to injury or injury to insult because in their last possession, when they failed to kill enough of the clock, their lead back, Dylan Johnson, got hurt. And I'm not sure about the extent of it, except that Kalen DeBoer said after the game, the coach, that 
that it did not look good. So obviously it's just now a week until next Monday night. And so they could be without a back who ran for 1,162 yards. So that could be a problem. They also lost a couple of corners in this game. So the point is, do you give Washington much of a shot against Michigan, who is now a four and a half point favorite this next Monday night for the championship? Well, I, not, not Washington or Texas. I, I thought when I first saw that game start off, I said, man, this reminds me of when I first retired and was doing some arena football yep. for uh, for NBC. It was, you know, in, our, in regular in the NFL, you say, oh, let's make sure we're putting together scoring drives in Arena is like, let me see who can get a stop or two. That's who will win this game. Yeah. And I felt like that early on. Well, let's see who can get a stop or two. Uh, good point. Texas yeah. is going, hey, 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 listen, Michigan will stop you. Texas couldn't stop you. Michigan will get a few stops. They will. It's just a matter uh, of Michigan's offense staying, staying, playing much better than they played last week. They got to yeah. play better. They, they, they will play better because they can't play much worse than some of them. Areas that, some of the errors they had. Okay, I believe that Michael Penix Jr. will get his against Michigan, but Michigan will get some stops because they will get more heat on him than Texas did, even right. though Texas has a stout defensive front. The problem with Washington for me, Michael, is their pass defense ranked 119th nationally. Yeah. 119th. That's why Quinn Ewers was able, right. when given the late opportunity, to hit Whittington, as we just showed, for 41, to hit Blue for 16, to almost hit A.D. Mitchell for the game-winning touchdown. So it's why they have a fatal flaw. They, they, they're just vulnerable in their secondary. Uh, again, I thought Texas was also even more vulnerable in its secondary against Michael Penix Jr., but Michigan's defense is rock solid. They're veteran. They're nasty. They bring the, the heat and the pain right. on the quarterback. I just think they're going right. to win this game by 10 or so points, even though I have, as I said, I thought Michael Penix should have won the Heisman. Yeah, yeah. and, and they, they, they said it. They're, they didn't come this far. They did not come this far to lose this game not. at this moment. No. And, and I, I think they win this game. And I, I think they win by more than, than the four or four and a half that they're being given. Okay, and yet all glory to this Washington team because they played in the shadows. They've been underdogs. Nobody thought they could beat Oregon. Nobody thought they could beat Oregon again. Nobody thought they could beat Texas. So I give it up to them for what they've accomplished because they've lost no games this year. So I, I'm intrigued by the matchup, but Washington's going to have to figure out a way to outscore Michigan, and I don't think they can, especially without their lead running back. Okay, yeah. let's get back to the Dallas Cowboys because speaking of running, the Cowboys running game has slowed to a walk. Oh. Will that be oh. their fatal flaw as we hit the playoffs? No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
it's your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go with our first tweet from Rich Hall, who says, Richard Sherman wants to be able to keep saying that the Dallas Cowboys haven't even reached the NFC Championship game in over a quarter century. Advice not taken, says Mike Epps. Nah, I'm good, says Mike Epps. See? Yeah. As somebody who's who's made it to three Super Bowls in this decade, I'm just saying. Okay. All right. We know (laughs) there's method to your madness here. All right. This is from Josh. Thank you, haters, for going against my Dallas Cowboys. Michael Irvin, it's time to break the curse and win the dang Super Bowl. There's Jimmy. The curse has been. It has been. Yes. And then finally, from, has been, bro. from random someone, this is Jerry, if it comes down to it, meaning Sunday at Washington, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Jerry as Andy Dalton. And I would pay to see that if it came to that on Sunday. Uh, if, if it came to, see, came to that, Skip, just go ahead and mail it in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Okay, back to the Cowboys, because... Pro Football Focus, a site I do respect, grades the Cowboys' passing game second best only to Miami's. Yet it grades the Cowboys' running game 15th in the NFL after that running game ran 21 times for a grand total of 61 yards against Detroit on Saturday night. Michael Irvin, on the concern scale of 1 to 10, where are you when it comes to this Cowboys running, or should I say walking, game? Uh, uh, f- full scale, all the way up, as high as the scale can go. Really? On the worry meter here. Oh, this, this, yes, this run game here. It, I, I, for, for a long time, I kept telling and everybody that, that the Cowboys, no matter what, every team, you need a hammer in this league. And the Cowboys don't have a hammer. Everybody gets caught up in the 30, the 20, the 25-yard runs. And that's what they had out of Tony Pollard, and they loved those when they had them out of Tony Pollard. They didn't think about Zeke wore down that defense a little bit before Tony Pollard was getting those runs. And now Tony Pollard is receiving the pain of from, from that usually the hammer has to take when he's delivering. So so yeah, I'm concerned. Rich, oh, I forgot about that. This is another reason I don't want to go on the road. You know, you're, you're, if you can't run at home, you're certainly not going to be able to run on the road. And this team can't seem to run anywhere. So I need perfect weather because I'm going to be throwing the ball everywhere. You see what I mean? Yeah. I say that, that, that I, I am absolutely worried about it. And I believe number four will have to take this team wherever it is going because this, the, this run game isn't going to give it much help. Now, I, I go back to a hammer because it's not even about getting the big yards. It's about being able to just get that yard or two when you need it. That's what makes the Philadelphia tush push so f- effective because, you know, if you get them inside of one yard, oh, my God, they got a hammer call a tush push that's going to get them that first down. I am concerned about this run game, especially uh, going into the playoffs. Mm, Richard. Yeah, you should be. You should be very concerned. And Skip, I know you remember those conversations we had about Christian McCaffrey yep. and, and Tony Pollard. And you told me that they were they were really close and that it was neck and neck. They were, and I told you they were not in the same stratosphere. 
and not that this is all on Tony Pollard. Don't get me wrong. They got a block for him. Some of these plays, he's getting hit in the backfield. And no matter who you are, if you get hit in the backfield, you don't have a hole to run through, you're not going to have success. But this is the lowest yards per carry of his career and the most carries he's ever gotten. And so, again, it was a bit of fool's gold last year when you're a change-up back and you, you, get, you get to come in after, you know, Zeke has worn the defense down, as Irv said, Defense is worn down. They're tired. They're breathing hard. And here comes speed. Bang. Here comes uh, routes. Here comes, you know, him in the passing game. You know, he's doing a lot of dynamic things. But when he's never leaving the field, they never lose track of him. You know, when you leave the field and come back, you know, they got other things to worry about, other things to look at. But when you're on the field, play after play after play, they get in the rhythm of understanding who you are as a player, of understanding what you do well, what you don't do well, and making those corrections, and they're hitting him. You know, he's had 42 more carries than he did this time last year. Not that 42 is a ton, but it is a ton on a running back when you're taking a pounding and taking a beating every single play. And so... I think this is your your Achilles heel. I think this is your Achilles heel on both sides of the ball. I think it's your Achilles heel defensively as well. And again, to win on the road in the playoffs, you have to pack two things, Skip. You have to pack your defense and your run game. And if you don't, and if those two things aren't mobile, you're not going to win. Okay, Richard Sherman, I stand by what I told you about Tony Pollard last year against Christian McCaffrey. Tony Pollard statistically in every way, shape, and form was more explosive than Christian McCaffrey was last year. But the irony of this was that Tony Pollard against your San Francisco 49ers in a playoff game suffered, and I know we've gone back and forth about the hip drop tackle. You think that there's nothing that should be, should be uh, taken out of football. I, I, whatever, I think it should be because – it, it still hurts my heart what happened to Tony Pollard in the San Francisco game because it was a career-threatening hip-drop tackle. And, Richard, I, I watch closely. He, he's not the same guy. I keep waiting for him right. to get his legs back underneath him. He's not the same guy. I see a flash, and then I see him get mashed for no game. And I say, I don't right. know that guy. And you can say it's because he's now the bell cow back, and he's not a bell cow. I got that. Right. But – I know Michael misses Zeke. I, I'm sorry. I right. don't miss Zeke because look, look at what happened last year. I, I kept coming in here saying, how many no-yard gains do I have to watch on first down? How, how many one-yard in a pile of dust gains do I have to watch on first down? Because if you look at Zeke last year on first down as our bell cow back, of the 41 qualified running backs on first down last year in the National Football League, Zeke ranked 40th in first down yardage. It, it, it was hard to watch. But to Michael's point, if you need a hammer on, I don't know, fourth and a goal half line, yard or goal, goal line, line or whatever. Goal line. Yeah, I, I got Goal you. line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Getting down in that goal line in the green zone when that thing gets tight, that's where your hammer yeah. comes in hand because you the, those inches and yards, they really mean a great deal. I think that's an interesting – I think that's an interesting discussion you guys had earlier about Tony Pollard in CMC, Christian McCaffrey, because I think they are very similar. Now, the difference is Tony Pollard is not in an offense that's conducive to those talents. Now, the offense in San Francisco is. It's the old Mike Shanahan offense. You got that one-cut offense where Tony Pollard could do great in that offense. But 
this offense is a little different, and and the run game is a little different, and they don't have the mastermind of a Kyle Shanahan designing no. all of these great blocking schemes. No, no, that's a yeah, bad. but I, I didn't I didn't hear all these things last year when he was having success and he was in the same scheme, and that's where I'm concerned because. Christian McCaffrey is just a better player. It's not even in discussion. It's it's in saying that it's, it's conversation. I mean, they, they both play running back. is as close as they can get in terms of, of, of what we're talking about. Christian McCaffrey, it, it, it runs between the tackles, inside, outside, catches the football, and does it consistently. You know, you talk about a hammer and a nail. He's the hammer sometimes, and sometimes he's the lightning back. You know, he's all that encompassed but, in but, one back. Right. And you, we thought but, Tony Pollard would you agree? That. But wouldn't you agree that we have seen San Francisco produce many backs and they've had success with those many backs? Yes, sir. Maybe not to the year that Christian McCaffrey has had. Wouldn't you agree that we watch Miami, who have many backs, and they have success with all of those backs because of the scheme and the situation that those guys are putting those guys in? I would also assess that that. Tony Pollard would have that kind of success in those offenses. They're just better built for his kind of talent. But then, then it's on Mike McCarthy to not scheme up that play. You, I don't think you guys have the offensive line necessarily to run outside zone and to get these guys laterally and moving. You guys got more powerful offensive linemen and to, to push the ball down the field and to, to uh, straight power scheme. But I think – that you're right, they have had success in these plays, but I've also seen Christian McCaffrey have a thousand receiving and a thousand rushing in Carolina in a whole different scheme. So it's just he's done it everywhere, and that's why I'm saying Tony Pollard had success last year in this scheme. So they found things that he does well, found ways to get him explosive plays last year. And to to your point, Skip, you're saying Zeke was so terrible on first down. Has Tony Pollard been better this year? You got you got what you wanted. Hey, give it Tony Pollard on first and second down. Are you any better on first and second down runs? You aren't. You you you, you can't be. We're watching you, your team get stuffed on these runs as we speak. And so maybe it's schematically to to Irv's point. Maybe it's scheme. Maybe you guys need to change up the scheme that you're running and, and adopt more of the Kyle Shanahan, McVay, Kevin O'Connell, uh, yeah. Mike McDaniel. Inside, outside, mid-zone scheme. Richard, he's lost too much of his burst. He's not as effective as he used to be because he's not as explosive as he used to be. Mm -hmm. He he was a little faster than Christian last year, so he was just a little more of a downfield weapon, a breakaway weapon, because he broke away a lot, both running it and catching it last year. His yards per touch last year were six yards, and this year they've dropped to four yards per touch. And it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but two yards per touch is a whole lot to me because it adds up. And I thought maybe that Rico Dowdle would give us some hammer because he's a little bigger back at, what is he, Michael, 215, maybe 220. And yet he's been hurt and banged up, and he was not there on Saturday night, so we didn't have the hammer. So it's scary to me on the, the worry scale. I'm, I'm at an eight because it's hard to overcome it. But every once in a while, Tony Pollard has a little burst where you, where you see it for a, a play or two. And that's all we got right now because we're going to have to throw it. And, what, Michael, you know what we've been doing? We've been using 88 a couple times a game to run the football. Yeah, and I like the look of it. It's, it's, it's great to watch. It works. Yeah, 88, they put Kevon Turpin back there, and and they're doing it, which is surprising because Kevon Turpin, it's what 
Tony Pollard used to give you. You just want a good burst through the hole, and and yeah. and, and now they're using that. Other, with uh, they're doing that with other people. I love that they give it to. 88 back there because now they have a chance to keep him involved even when all the double teams are trying to keep him uninvolved and not involved. They can put him back there and hand the ball off to him. Mm. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, yeah but, but I think I, I don't think you guys are giving enough uh, uh, criticism to your offensive line because you're saying speed and Tony Pollard's not this, but yeah. some of these plays are getting hit in the backfield, Skip. He's getting he hit is, before he ever, ever gets agree. going, and I don't yeah. care how good of a back you are. If you're getting hit as soon as you grab the ball, that is I true. mean, you're not going to be very effective. Yeah, my line, our line, pass blocks a little better than it run blocks. I will give you that. We're not opening gaping holes, but we can protect Dak fairly well because Tyron Smith, especially manning that left side, he's just hard to get around. So we, we got that. That's why we're the right. second passing attack, according to Pro Football Focus, in the league. Even though Hutchinson got around him pretty good. He, he did, early, but he gets around Hutchinson everybody. got around him. Yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't see that. But then, did you see later on in the game, Tyron got a hold of him. He, <laughs> he, he wanted, if he he gets, wanted to if run he him all the way off the done. football field when yeah. he put his hands on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I, was, I just love watching that battle, man. So do I. If I get my hands on him, you're right. I'm putting my hands on you. He put some hands on you. So that was good. That was good. Okay, up next, we got to talk about another player to play or not. This one's on Saturday. Lamar Jackson, should he play in Saturday's meaningless game against Pittsburgh? I'm thinking yes, but I'll tell you why in a second. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The odds makers obviously don't believe Lamar Jackson or many, if any, of the Ravens starters will play Saturday at Baltimore against the Steelers, who, believe it or not, are four-point favorites. That's all you need to know. John Harbaugh said yesterday he still isn't sure whether Lamar will play. Michael, you went through these playoff buy situations several times in your career. Should Lamar play Saturday? Well, this is a tough one. And it's so much easier when Lamar wasn't this Lamar Jackson. You know, the previous years, when Lamar was more of the running Lamar Jackson, you rest him. Because I, I'm not, you know, his ability to run and, and, and the hits he may take, I would say automatically just rest him easily. Now it's a little different because they are in a nice little groove here, Lamar throwing the ball-wise and hanging in the pocket. And those throws he made last week, the Zay Flowers were perfect deep throws. Remember early on in the season, they were working on this. They were talking about they, 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 that he needed to get better at it. He had missed some people, and Odell Begwin had missed Odell. And, and now it looks like, man, they are, they, are, they are hitting their stride. So I'm concerned that Lamar takes two weeks off. Two weeks off. Yep. And is he still, will he still be able to come back this kind of sharp? 
you know, now that Lamar's playing the way he's playing, he has more control over things than he did before. You know, he can now, he can now, you know, say, all right, I don't have to make these runs. Even if I decide to play, and, 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 and God knows, I know they're not going to play him. They're not going to play him because there's too much at risk here if he gets hurt. But I'm going to be concerned about him staying sharp um, passing-wise if he's going to be out for the next two weeks not throwing the ball and not seeing that real speed. Okay, um, so Yeah, I'm going to be concerned so about So, Michael, that. would you, if you were coaching the Ravens, would you play him <clears throat> or let him play a quarter or a half? I, I, I would want to keep my passing game sharp. You know, and, and because I remember this, you're not playing him this week. He's not playing next week. So I'm going to practice and keep practice. Like like Sherm said, you're, you're controlling practice anyway. And, yeah, it, it, I'll, maybe I'll give him a series and then I can pull everybody. But I know that they prepared this week and, and, and they are ready. I'm not going to leave him too long because, you know, Pittsburgh, those dudes don't play. And, and, and they will be hitting. So I would tell Lamar, if you want to get a couple of throws, get a couple of series, let's get out of here. But protect yourself. And you can do that. Just throw the ball. Don't run the ball. Richard. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. I'd say treat it like a third preseason game. You play him for uh, almost a half. Um, let him get his feet wet. Let him get a sweat. Let him push the ball down the field a little bit. Run the ball. Run the offense. And get his bearings about him. And then sit him down. Put a hat on or a, a beanie and then <clears throat> let the rest play out. I think during the week you give Tyler Huntley half of the reps, you know, because you don't want the second team offense to get out there and have no reps and all his reps be with the scout team. So you want him to go in there and, and right. practice these plays and, and run these plays and, and, and get a get a somewhat of a rapport with some of the receivers he's going to deal with uh, because I think you have to play some of them. You don't have enough receivers to sit all your receivers in the game, I think defensively, you rest Kyle Hamilton, who's already kind of banged up with yep. the sprained knee. He's going to be very important to, to your playoff run. Uh, I think everybody else you play the, again for the first half because you don't want to kill the the young guys either. You know, you, they're playing special teams. They're playing all, you know, all phases of the game. So you don't want them to play four quarters of all phases of the game and be resting 14, 13, 14 guys and putting a lot of strain on the other guys, which would lead to injuries. So I think you manage it and let them play a half and, and, and let it play out that way. Uh, but you got to remember, I, I, I think they got the odds like this because not only do they think, hey, they're going to wrestle Lamar, they're going to wrestle a lot of these starters, but Pittsburgh beat them at full strength earlier this year they did. Uh, with Kenny Pickett right. at quarterback. Right. Yep. No, very right. good point. Okay, I believe John Harbaugh will not play Lamar one single snap. I believe no. he will tell the media that he's got to save Lamar from himself, tough love him and say, no, not this time. We got to wait until it's right. And, and we, we got to rest everybody because they were a beat up football team coming out of the Miami game that you mentioned, Richard, about Kyle Hamilton and Marlon Humphrey tweaked his calf and. Brandon Stevens couldn't go. So they're, they're just beat up, and they, they can use the rest, as you were talking about our Cowboys at Washington. But here's the point. Lamar has talked about how it's still a thorn in his side, in his psyche, that he won the MVP that year in 2019. They had the one seed, and they took the whole week off, the last week against, ironically, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh That's in a right. home finale. And yep. 
They stunk it up in their home first round after the bye game because Tennessee came in and just beat the stuffing out of them. It was 28 to 12, but it was 28 to 6 early in the fourth quarter. And Lamar was just off. He was just out of sync and out of rhythm the whole night long and wound up having to throw 60 passes, 59. It was, he was 31 of 59 passes, which is not the, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. He, was, he threw for 365 yards. He, he did run it 20 times for 143 yards. The problem was he threw right. two interceptions. The problem was he lost a fumble. So he had three turnovers himself. They stunk as a team. They couldn't stop Derrick Henry, who ran wild, had 195 yards rushing. No shame there because he's done it to everybody, including Kansas City. But the, the point was, it, Lamar still feels pain about the fact that he wasn't ready for the playoff game. So, so to me, I, I know it's high risk, high reward and all that, or maybe low reward in this case, but I'm going to let Lamar play what, the way Richard said. I, I might even let him go a half. I just think John Harbaugh is going to say flat out no to this because they're a beat up football team. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him saying no to Lamar being a veteran. He's a veteran quarterback now. He's not a yeah. young guy. He's not, no. you know, I think that'd be more of a, a conversation between those two. Maybe so. Yeah, and, and, and listen, yeah. I, 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 I just I, I think, listen, you said what, Lamar threw 39 times. You don't want that to happen no, again. 59. I, I, yeah, 59. 50, I mean, 50. It'd be okay if he did it this time. You know what I mean? Playing the way he's playing right now. Yeah. And, and and if he had to do it, if he had to do it. But but now, I, I don't know if he'll have to throw it that many times, but I know he needs to be sharp like he was last week or the last couple of weeks when he took down two of the Giants in this National Football League. Because now they're winning primarily with his arm, not his legs. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So, Richard, back to you. So, if Lamar is now a veteran, proven quarterback, goes to Jim Harbaugh today, tomorrow, and says, hey, I feel good. You need to let me play a half. Would you give in to him if you're John Harbaugh? Yeah, yeah. You 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 listen to your veteran quarterback. This is this isn't this this is the difference between college football and the pros is that it's not just a head coach's decision. Hey, I, I'm a dictatorship and you do what I tell you to do. It's yeah. much more of a symbiotic uh, relationship where it's conversational. Hey, you got to trust me. You're you know, I care just as much as you care. I need these reps. And if you talk, if what you say is true about Lamar feeling like the MVP year, they were the one seed, they rested, yeah. then I guarantee you he's not going to repeat what doomed him the last time. No. He's not going to sit at home and say, hey, let's do what we did the last time when we, when we struggled against Tennessee and we rested and we did that. We're going to try something different. John, you were there as well. We don't want it. We saw that didn't work for me. That didn't work for what I need going into this game. That didn't work for our team. Let's try something different. And I think John Harbaugh is the type of coach that'd be open and receptive to that. I agree I, I, to a point. I just think he's going to think it, it just makes more sense to rest at this point. Right. So, so Michael, right. back and, to you. And, and he'll yeah. go to him. And he'll go yeah. to him, Skip. He'll go to him and say, "Listen, we got that MVP wrapped up." 
Mm-hmm. We got the MVP wrapped up right now. Yeah. We, we, we want to keep you healthy. Let's get the MVP. Let's let, these, let's let Tyler play. Let's let Huntley play. And, and you get yourself some rest. We'll get enough from practice that you can stay sharp. He's absolutely going to sell him that dream. He's absolutely going to but try that's, to keep him that's healthy. That's the worst thing and to sell you it. guys said... And, 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 but you guys say he's going to sell it to him. As, I'm, I'm, I'm saving you from you. I know you want to be out there with you guys, but, and you're going to get out there, and, and he'll start doing things that you don't intend to do, trying to win for his guys. Yeah. But 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 that's that's the that's the most concerning thing because if you start to to tell him, hey, this is going to be just like 19 when you won the MVP and we rested you, and, and, and then you, right. he starts to remember right. and he starts to have those nightmares. He's going to be like, I don't want the result. Of what no happened point. in nineteen, no I point. don't want us resting. No point. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't go well for us. Yeah, and yet, Michael, Lamar doesn't have unanimous MVP wrapped up yet because I, I think Richard has a vote. If I'm not mistaken, don't you have a vote, Richard? <laughs> I, I wish. If they don't give me that, you know, they give it to acclaimed writers and things of that nature. They don't give me no, no power in this game. I think you're right. All right, <laughs> one, one last pass at this. Back to you, Michael. When you played for those dynastic Cowboys, I can't remember how many buys you had, but how did it work out when you did rest over rust and took a, a, a whole week off? I, I, I'm a rep guy. I mean, I, I, if I go in a game, I need to feel like, like I prepared myself. You know what I mean? So I like going into a game uh, knowing I got my reps. And I'd rather coach tell me later that he's pulling me up. So, so I don't have to decide it. I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have a decision about it. I can just focus on playing football and getting ready for games. I remember you guys resting, like taking that last game off when you had the buy ra- the the one seed wrapped up. Yeah, Jimmy would pull us, in, but but we didn't know that. You yeah. see, he wouldn't tell us that we were going oh, to rest. He okay. said, "Hey." We're preparing. We're preparing to play. And then sometimes we'll come out, we're warming up, and coach will say, sit it down. I said, okay. what? what? Come on, coach. He said, no, sit it down. Yeah. I just want to make sure we get a good week of work in. So that's what he always did. He would never come out and say it. Okay. And Richard, you go through that that way? No, no, we, we, yeah. we, never, we never rested. I mean, the first two Super Bowls we went, we were the number one seed, and we – we had such a young team, it didn't make sense to rest any of us. We didn't have any old veterans. It was just yeah. keep playing. We enjoying the game. We're fun. We didn't even think about resting or anything like that. Uh, when I got to San Francisco, we were playing for the one seed at the end of the season. So we were playing against the Seattle Seahawks for the one seed. Uh, yeah. So we were in a dogfight for it. So it wasn't decided until week 17. So, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to go. But if, you, if, you, if it is a meaningless game, yeah. then you, you, you again just play them for a half. I got it. All right. Speaking of dogfights, the Eagles are about to be in one at Giants. But then the question looms, will the Eagles even win one playoff game? You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 
The Eagles have lost four of their last five at obviously the worst time of the season with one game remaining that will not be easy at their division rival Giants, even though the Eagles are favored by five and a half in that game. But the Eagles are obviously in the playoffs. So, Michael Irvin, will they win one playoff game at all? I, I do believe the Philadelphia Eagles will win a playoff game. I, you know, we can look at the possibilities of a team going in there uh, who, who like Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Philadelphia. I, I would absolutely take Philadelphia win that game, especially after what I just saw the Saints do to them. Now, it's, it's certainly on the back end with the Philadelphia Eagles, we, you've had some holes in the connection between Baker and Mike Evans has been great with what, with the exception of what they did last week because New Orleans has always had a pretty good game and a pretty good game plan to stop Mike Evans. It's usually Lattimore, Lattimore. But last week they just doubled him everywhere, and it slowed down that Tampa offense enough. I believe you get, you get a game in Philadelphia – with all that they've had to deal with, with losing to Arizona, right? You know, with losing to Arizona, yeah, Philly will rise up, and I do believe they'll, they'll win a playoff game. And I need them to win that playoff game just in case they have to go to San Francisco and give me a chance to get a couple shots at San Francisco. Okay. You know, Philly may end up with a win, and then we can knock them off in Dallas in the championship game, too. Yep. I'm just saying, I do think they can win a playoff game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, your Dallas Cowboys are the reason they won't be back at, in Philly anytime soon. Um, but I think whether they play the, the Saints or the Bucks, I think they get a win pretty, pretty easily. Um, you know, I, I just I don't understand what has happened because personnel wise, they aren't that much different yeah. than they were last season. Right. They, right. They, you don't. Yeah, I don't I, I don't see it. The only thing different, Irv and, and Skip are these coordinators. You know, they lost Javon Hargrave, and they, they replaced him with Jalen Carter. But outside of that, a lot of DeAndre Swift is there, but I don't see this. Offensive line is pretty much the same. The defensive line is pretty much the same. The secondary, you lose C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who did have six interceptions last season. But, you know, Blankenship has been fine. He's been solid. It, it hasn't been terrible enough for them to be 28th in pass defense. And Darius Slade missed a few games, which is a huge part of what they do, but not not enough for them to be 28th in pass defense. And these veterans, you know, you think if they're a young team, they may get, you know, pushed around up front. Maybe they hit a rookie wall, but you got still got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. You still got Hassan Reddick. You still got, you know, all these guys. You're right, and you're not getting the sacks. And so now you're not getting the pressure you were last year. You're not getting the sacks you were. So it's kind of exposing that secondary. You change from side to side and say he's the problem, and you get to Matt Patricia, but then you still give up 35 to the Arizona Cardinals. So that wasn't the answer. And so I, I have them winning a, a game. I have them winning against the NFC South, whoever comes out of the NFC South, but I don't have them doing much more than that. Okay. Yeah, and, and Skip, before yeah. you go, Skip, before you go, you, and Sharon, you, you know, you guys, you know this. What they will say to themselves, though, 
Skip and Sherm is, okay, this is what we've been waiting for. Now let's turn it up. We've been waiting for the playoffs because everybody else, see, they feel we've gotten to a Super Bowl. Everybody else is waiting to play us, but now this is the playoff. They'll think that there's a switch that they can flip on and start get going better, playing better in the playoffs, but that switch won't happen. But they will win a game. I don't think they'll win a game, even if it's at Baker, Tampa Baker, especially if it's at New Orleans. I don't think they can beat those teams right now. And to me, the beauty of the game you guys played at the highest level, the National Football League, this time of year, it's magical to me because it gets mystical in that some teams catch fire inexplicably and some teams just lose their way inexplicably. It feels like the Eagles have just lost their way. I've said from the start the defense was way overrated. It's now 29th in points allowed. I don't think you can flip a switch and fix that. It's dropped to ninth in rushing. And so, as Richard said earlier, you know, two things you need to take on the road is your defense and your run game in a road playoff game. Well, I, I, I don't see it. It's not what it used to be. And I get on paper, on paper, on paper. That's all I hear about the Eagles. On paper, they're this and they're that. And right now, that defense is not worth the paper its depth chart is printed on. And I, I hear names, and you, you throw out all the names that are still there on defense. Names, names, Bad names. Boys. But I, I don't see games. I, I, don't, I don't see productivity. I don't see flash on my TV screen. Oh, there he is, or there he is. I, I heard that Kevin Byard was going to cure what ails the secondary. I, I haven't seen it. I heard that Shaq Leonard, Cowboys could have had him, but the Eagles signed him, and he's going to fix what's wrong with their linebacker core, and I haven't seen it yet. And, Michael, I know you love, you call him AB11, A.J. Brown. I, I know you've got a connection with him. You've had great talks with him. I, I don't know what's happened, but but he just fell off the map over the last five games after he went on that that tear where he was 125 plus yards <laughs> for six straight games. He and Jalen have just lost their rapport, their their mystical sort of connection they used to have. I, I, I don't see it. And once you've lost your way, once you've demoted your defense, your new defensive coordinator and replaced him with the guy. Who, who has never done much outside Belichick, you know, where Belichick was actually calling the defense. I, I, don't, I don't see how you're going to flip a switch. It reminds me of what Michael says about 1997 in Dallas when you turned to, to primetime to Deion Sanders is that time. It's over, right? It, it just feels like it's over for this team because it's, it's an older football team without a lot of young pizzazz except at, at quarterback. And right now, Jalen's not not talented enough just to lift the whole show. He's got to play in rhythm and in his scheme and do what he does best. And right now, it's just not clicking. They have lost their flow. So I don't see him winning a play. I, I don't think they could beat Tampa at Tampa right now. <clears throat> you, know, you, you know, it's interesting because last year, we, we, it, it was such uh, an interesting thing to watch that journey. And we looked at... Uh, Jalen Hurts would just in all like, man, this is such great improvement, how he's playing, how, yeah. how he's controlling his team, you know, and those things. But but he hasn't been totally healthy. And, no. and, 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 and I do believe I do believe when you get that team into the playoffs, their mindset 
goes to like, wow, we, we got we got four weeks ahead of us and we can put out whatever we have. Yep. And they'll find a little they'll find some offense and they'll find a win in that in, in that first game. Yep. I just don't know how far they can go past that. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, go I, ahead, Richard. Oh sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Go. Yeah, I, I just again think it's it's Shane Steichen and and, and Jonathan Gannon's effect. You have to go back to what Shane Steichen was doing with this offense. You know, when you're trying to win in the National Football League, leave the ego at the door. Look, sometimes you're getting caught in ego and like, man, we got to do it my way and this is my system. Look, you want to win? Do what worked for you last year. Go back and study those plays. Go back and study putting Jalen Hurts in a position. What got him in rhythm? Because right now it's so predictable. It's so stagnant. It's so easy to read. It's so easy to see what they're trying to do and the formations they're trying to get in and the concepts they're trying to get in. They're running spot concepts. They're running the the, the dice concepts where where it's two hooks and then a sit over the ball and then swings on the outside. As a defense, when you're that predictable, when you get in these playoff games, those incompletions and back downs are going to start turning into picks and pick sixes and turnovers because that's all they're going to be harping on. They know what you do well. They know what you don't do well. And they're not doing enough. They don't have enough variety right now. Mm. And, and, other, and, and, yeah, and I ahead, think Mike. when you ask yeah. about, Skip, you ask yeah. about what has happened to Arthur Ron Brown, you know, in the last five games, Jalen Hurts has five more interceptions. When yeah. you start, and, and that, that he added on to already a lot of yeah. interceptions. So you start saying, oh, those, those, those just, I'm going to trust you balls that I used to throw. Yeah. I, I'm scared to throw them. I can't keep putting up. I don't want to have a season where I have 20 interceptions here, back here. So that's kind of what happened also, I believe. Yeah. Listen. I'm the biggest Jalen Hurts supporter, fan, believer. He's one of the great leaders in the game today and in all of sports. And and yet he does it as much with intangibles as tangibles. So his opponent in the Super Bowl was obviously Patrick Mahomes. When Patrick struggles or slumps, Patrick can just overcome it with with raw, pure talent. Jalen doesn't have Patrick's overall talent that he can lean back on. He's got to be able to do some things with his legs and and have receivers separate that he can hit with his throws, which are very good, but they're not, he's not the greatest thrower of the football we've ever seen. So it, it, it's like he's up against it because his intangibles won't work right now. He, he needs more tangibles because they're, they're struggling to the point where they have the single most unstoppable running play we've ever seen, the tush-push, right. but, it, but it's right. only for one yard. The problem is it gets one yard automatically, or two or three, but the defense gives up a four-yard gain and then a six-yard gain and then an eight-yard gain and then a 12-yard chunk play, and you, you can't keep up with it. it the tush-push becomes irrelevant for them because it's not enough. So, so to yeah, me, but, uh, yeah, well, but it's just so also, 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 when, when my defense is giving up these kinds of uh, comebacks, yards, and points, let's slow the game down. Yeah. You, you know, you guys, let's slow the game down. Let's work that clock all the way down. So, where every time you walk to this line of scrimmage, you're, got, you're trying to give your defense some time to rest because they're giving up long drives. 
Slow the game down, man. Get back to running the ball. If they can get back to that, they were such a feared run team. They Everything were. came off it. Then they pay Jalen Hurts. They want to be a feared pass team that can run. You go back to being the feared run team that you pass off of, not trying to be a passing team that can yeah. also run. I got you. All right, in a moment, we're talking Harbaugh's plural. We're talking about which Harbaugh, Jim or John, has had the better career, and I can't wait to talk about this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So how about this? Right now, the Harbaugh brothers are the top coaches in pro and college football. John's Ravens, of course, have the best record in the NFL. Jim's Michigan will play for the college championship next Monday night. So which Harbaugh has had the better career? Richard, you first. You did play for Jim at Stanford. Your thoughts? Well, I... I think you got to give it to John just for the head-to-head Super Bowl win. You know, that's that's the, the the better case, I would think, because it's direct. It's both of them had equal opportunity. Both of them were level playing field in the NFL. Uh, John walked away with the win after the lights went out and all that chaos of that Super Bowl. But I would say uh, Jim has had a tremendous amount of success on the collegiate level, both at Stanford University before he got to the NFL, uh, taking him – we were 12-1, and one, went to the Orange Bowl, beat Virginia Tech, then went on to the NFL, went to a Super Bowl, played his brother, lost, still had winning seasons, went to a few uh, NFC championships, had some unfortunate luck there, went back to college, had taken his team to the playoffs multiple times, now taking him to the national championship. Um, you do have to give him credit for that, but when you have a head-to-head result, you got to give it to the winner of that. Okay, and by the way, how was Jim to play for? Did you have any real relationship with him or feel for him? Uh, he was he was different, Skip. Um, yeah. He was very different. We 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 <laughs> we, we we butted heads uh, a lot of my time at Stanford, but. Uh, he did a great job of hiring fantastic coaches around him from that staff. I think there ended up being, you know, six head coaches, um, 10 coordinators, uh, just just a really incredible staff that he was able to put together at Stanford. And I'm sure, you know, you talk about Greg Roman, Willie Taggart, David Shaw, um, Vic Fangio. That's just that's just guys off the top of my head um, from one staff. And so, uh, yeah, Pep, Pep Hamilton. Oh. Uh, you got guys like that, and he has a, a lot of the same things going on at Michigan and, and having the same success. So you got to give him a ton of credit yeah. well, uh, for what he's been Richard, able to do. Richard, what did you butt heads over? Yeah, boy, you know that. You know, I, yes. I, need, yeah. I was going to ask that same thing. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask that same thing. We are, we're not surprised, sir, that you're yeah. butting heads with, <laughs> with anybody. But, but I would yeah. like to know, what were you butting heads over? Because I'm a tremendous competitor, and and when I don't feel like the team's put put in a position to be successful, I think it was a Washington game. We were down three scores, and we were running the ball and not throwing the ball down three scores, and and 
or playmaker. I don't know if you've ever played in a game where you're down three scores and you're a receiver and you're watching us run the ball and not put the ball up. <laughs> you're like, hey, what are we doing here? Are we trying to win the game or are we trying to run the clock? I, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we had a few issues, you know, where we didn't see eye to eye. Mm, okay. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I love both of these guys, man. I really do. I, you know, Jim's the younger brother, right? And, he, and it seems like he he's the younger brother, always making noise to make sure he is heard. That's true. And it just seems like Jim is always making noise yeah. to make sure he's heard. Mm-hmm. But John is that stable force that that that's been this been there been the same place for for forever you, you can count on him not going anywhere jim's a little more volatile yeah. you know what i'm saying jim, jim jim's <laughs> like hey, hey I'm, jim not going to take so much he's only going to deal with so much i was watching him the other day right before the game when he was chewing that gum he was directed at chewing that gum. He was like, I'm going, like, like you felt confident about his team yep. going into that game, man, it, it, which, which really kind of threw me off because I thought I'd see a little bit worry on his face. But, but I like Jim, but I, have, I would have to say when you put 16 years in at one place and you did win your Super Bowl and you, and, and you even changed things around to fit your quarterback and you continue to win games, from a from a Flacco to to a Lamar Jackson style uh, quarterback, and you produce the same thing. Uh, yeah, that, that that's pretty impressive. But Jim has had a very impressive career, also. You know, so so th- these two coaches right here, man, their dad and he, their dad, who's a coach, also yeah. will be very proud very of what they've proud. done. They, they've been incredible. Okay, I'm they've gonna first echo what Michael just said. These are two top-line coaches, two of the best we've ever seen at pro and college. And yet, this is just me. I, I think, though, John's a little more likable than Jim is. I, I do think Jim has shown a little more range as a football coach because, as you guys know, it's hard to coach college football, especially today with all the new crazy rules or lack thereof. It's, it's just hard to do both. At the highest level, we saw Coach Saban try to go to the Dolphins, and it, it was just a disaster. It didn't work, and he fled right back to college football where he belongs. But if you look at what Jim has done on both levels, Richard experienced it firsthand at Stanford, as he said, 12-1. and one. But Jim turned around that University of San Diego pro- uh, program when it was nothing. He turned around Stanford. Richard was part of it. Then he, he winds up going to the 49ers, who were not very good, and they go to three straight NFC Championship games. And Jim Harbaugh did have the guts and vision in midstream to switch quarterbacks and go with Colin Kaepernick. I, I'm not sure Colin would have gotten right. a shot for anybody else right. besides right. Jim. Right. And it produced a Super Bowl. And by the way, that game went down to the last throw of the game from Colin to Crabtree. I know you had your battles and issues with Crabtree, Richard, but I, I thought I thought he was interfered with in the end zone on the last play, but they're not going to call it. But then he goes to Michigan, so he goes back to college football, and they've won three straight Big Ten championships, and he's in the national championship game. That's a lot of range for a coach. Now, we look at John, and he had that miraculous run to the, to the Super Bowl, obviously, with Flacco. But right. if you look at his last eight years – 
they've only won one playoff game in the last eight years in Baltimore. And if you look at the 10 years since the Super Bowl run, he's two and five in the postseason. And five times in those 10 years, they missed the playoffs. So he's had a little bit of a drought in Baltimore, as great as he is. And he is great. But it, it's not like he's created a consistent dynasty there now. I think they got a great chance to win it all this year. But Jim, where, wherever Jim has gone, good to great things have happened pretty quickly. And then you, what happens with Jim, he just burns people out on him. You know, it's just hard to take him for, for a long right. time. So he's, he's right. not a dynastic type coach. He's not a John who, who wears well. You know, you, you, he, you, you can live with John for a long, long time in Baltimore. Right. They're very happy with him. And I'm, I'm sure he can just write his ticket there and stay as long as he wants because they're always pretty to very good. And this year they could be great. So, again, I, I would give Jim a slight edge in showing coaching range, both college and pro football, that I don't know that John could do. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it is fair because Jim has had those that had those successes that you that you talked about and, and yeah. in different Areas and they're dealing with different types of dudes. Even going from Stanford, from from Stanford, going over to Michigan, you're dealing with different types oh, of different athletes dynamic. all around. Yeah. And he's continuing to have that success. But man, I, I still love what John has done over the years. Yeah. And, and 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 you think about all the players that come out of Baltimore. I I haven't heard anything or no. any one of them say, never. man, I'll never play for that guy. I hate that guy. I don't like that guy. You know what I mean? He's been he's been rock solid. I mean, it, that's a hard pickup. You talk about a guy like that, a guy like Mike Tomlin that's been just solid dudes, oh. solid coaches, give you the knowledge you need, but also can give you the right talking and the right mentoring. Absolutely. So I, I love them both. Yeah. Jim, like you say, he's going to – He's going to burn it out pretty soon. He's going he to burn, him, burn everything up yeah. on his way. Uh, I mean, usually going. usually it's it's already burned out. So I, I think he's in Michigan to stay because usually yeah, he's already true. run his course. And, and they've yeah. somehow survived that and, and been able to deal. Right. And, you know, I think the team rallied around him after the suspension for, for the transgressions of the team. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's going anywhere. Okay, and yeah, yeah it, it, it seems ahead, like Mark. yeah, it, it just yeah. seems like he that he loves he loves this kind of stuff. He he performs better he does. in this kind of stuff when he has when he's at odds with everybody or yeah. people are all on him. That's when he brings out his best coaching, and I think that's what I saw last night pregame when he was chewing on that gum. All right, final point just for the record, I do think there's a small stain on Jim's resume because he did get busted for overseeing, even though he says he had no knowledge, but he did oversee this sign-stealing operation at Michigan. So I, I, I do think you have to take a little bit of that into account. I hope that's fair, but, but I think it I, is. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if they will. They don't take nothing into account when you're talking about Belichick, and we all know how that well, went, Skip. So I, I think people are going to forget yeah. about this pretty quick. All right. Okay, up next, got to talk some Buffalo at Miami. I'm going to ask the question, are the Dolphins just fraudulent? Here we go. No 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Once again, your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go. First tweet. The haters, Richard and Keyshawn, are quiet about our Cowboys now. Think they know what's going to happen. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Quiet. They just lost to the Dolphins and they beat Detroit by a sliver of the... The skin. I mean, what is there to say? Thanks for Brad Allen. Yeah. Here we go. This is from Tony D. If the Eagles were playing Monopoly, yeah, that's what they look like right now. Slamming the board. And finally, Skip, your eye test says the Cowboys will beat the 49ers. I don't trust your eye test as we see a picture of a Cowboy fan at San Francisco as the Cowboys are about to lose 42 to 10. Calling for help. Yeah. Calling for help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the, that's the bird box challenge or whatever it used yeah. to be, Skip, that you have. But, but he, he's wearing 88, so uh, hey, I, he, he's I, calling the right point. guy. He's calling the right he's guy. For help. <laughs> calling the right guy. Bingo. <laughs> All right, let's talk AFC. Let's talk AFC East because Buffalo is a three-point favorite Sunday at Miami in a battle for the AFC East title. Bills did beat the Dolphins, as you might recall, 48-20 to in Buffalo back in October. That was October 1st. And, of course, the Dolphins just lost at Baltimore 56-19. to So, Michael, you're from South Florida, from Fort Lauderdale. Are the Dolphins overrated, or will they bounce back and beat the Bills at home? I'm going to take the Dolphins to beat the Bills at home. And, no, I don't think that they are overrated. And I think they are a legitimate playoff team that can legitimately beat anybody at the right time if you you draw this this explosive football team in Miami. Now, Josh Allen has had some success against Miami since coming into this league. He's 8-0 against Miami at home, 3-2 on the road. But I'm going to tell you something. When you go back to week four and that game, Josh Allen, he threw the ball all over the floor, all over the field. And remember, Stephon Diggs had a great game, 120 yards, three touchdowns, three touchdowns, three. I don't think Stephon Diggs is going to get anywhere near three touchdowns again. Yeah. That thing with Diggs and Allen, and I don't know what it is, has tailed off severely as this season has gone on. Yeah. And, and you're going to need that with that explosive stuff they got in Miami. It's different in Buffalo. They couldn't hear all of their signals and everything. They had all kind of problems. They did. It won't be that way in Miami. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to hear. They'll be able to get their calls. And they will be, they will play much better than they did week four. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you, Irv. I don't know what the deal is right now between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, but he's had multiple games where he's under 30 yards and under 40 yards uh, in big games where they had to have it. Josh Allen hasn't thrown the ball well. I mean, I think he had 42 yards or so passing in the first half last week against the New England Patriots. They could have lost that game very easily. I I, I can't – if – if Miami loses this game, then then definitely they are they are going to be considered fraudulent. I don't see them losing this game at home. I see them bouncing back. Obviously, they had a big win against the Dallas Cowboys the week prior. They did get the brakes beat off of them by the Baltimore Ravens, who were playing the best football in the National Football League right now. But I don't think that they're fraudulent. I think they're the the second best team in the AFC. But there is a wide gap between them and the Baltimore Ravens and probably them and the San Francisco 49ers. And they beat the Dallas Cowboys, who are the two seed in the the, uh, NFC right now. So. I can't necessarily call them fraud. fraud. Yeah, Richard, the odds makers are telling you they're a little fraudulent because the odds makers are saying Buffalo is a three-point favorite at Miami. I was surprised, though not shocked by that spread, and yet I, it's hard for me to talk about it because just two weeks ago, obviously, I give you this, the Dolphins beat our Cowboys at Miami. We held them to only one touchdown, but they did roll down the field 64 yards to set up the walk-off field goal, and we lost 22 to 20 after we had just gone ahead 20 to 19. And I will give you this. Buffalo beat the stuffing out of our Cowboys at Buffalo, albeit while they took the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Basically, what did he throw? He completed seven balls, I think, in that game, seven of 15. It was a James Cook game. So I, I get all that, but it just seems like to me that slowly but surely the Dolphins are getting a little more and a little more exposed since they scored 70 points on Denver below those many weeks ago. And it, this is just me from a distance. It seems like Mike McDaniel by the week gets a little yeah. fuller of himself, like he, he now loves to spout his philosophical ramblings to the, to the media <laughs> all of his quotations and I'm, I, I'd read you some, but we don't have enough show left because they just go on and on and on. He, he's like the new guru of media quotations and we've all called him Harry Potter. He's his wizardry right. and all that, but he he's taking it pretty seriously. And then all of a sudden they lose Bradley Chubb and all of a sudden Xavier Howard's hurt. And I'm not sure about his status for this week. And Jalen Ramsey's not playing Jalen Ramsey kind of football at least to my eye, it, it, he hasn't had that kind of impact and effect of late. So, I, man, I don't know. I think Buffalo is going to go in there and win this game because they're playing at a little higher level right now than Miami is. Miami's still licking its wounds off 56 to 19. But this is Miami's playoff right here. It is. No, this is it. Do or die. Because Miami does not want to. Miami wants to try to win the East, and if they can't have an opportunity to play play a game at home, they need this game. So funny how the season has gone. When I started this season, I I thought Buffalo would be – I said Buffalo won't make it in. There's some things going on in Buffalo, and they've shifted around some things and gone on a win streak. But they're still not using – that connection that has brought them this far. 
and Stephon Diggs and and Trayvon Diggs and all that stuff when he tweeted about earlier. He you got to imagine something's going on. Something's going you don't on. have a talent mm-hmm. like that. And you're not using that talent. And I'm telling you, in playoff atmosphere, atmosphere, those kinds of games, the pressure of those kinds of games are bring out whatever else is going on on that team. Mm. And that's why I believe Miami will stand up and win that game. Mm. I, I agree. I, I think Miami will stand up. I, I think we've seen kind of whispers of it. We've seen flashes of, of Stefan uh, Diggs' dis, discontent. You know, his, his, his frustration uh, with whether it's Josh Allen or was it was it Ken Dorsey? Um, obviously, Joe Brady's running the plays now, but I don't know what it is. But I think if they get to the point in these playoffs where they're down big and and Stefan's having another one of these games, right. I think it eventually boils over. And, and that's a great point by you, Earl. I, I don't see Miami losing this game. I think Mike McDaniel is, is being who he is. I don't think he's being disingenuous in any way. I think he is. I mean, knowing him playing for a team that he was coaching on and, and being around him, this is who he is. So he's, yep. he's being himself, Skip. All right. Let's talk NBA. Haven't talked about it all show because right now the Clippers are clearly better than the Los Angeles Lakers. We discuss <laughs> next. The Lakers obviously won the first ever in-season tournament. They celebrated. They raised the banner, and they are now 17 and 17, mired in 10th place in the West as we hit 2024. Meanwhile, Clippers have won three straight, 12 of 14, to rise to 20 and 12. That's fourth in the West. Richard, as a lifelong Laker fan, is it time to admit the quote-unquote other team in Los Angeles is now better than the team in Los Angeles, LeBron's team? Oh, it hurts. It hurts my heart, Skip. It hurts to yeah. watch these clips. It hurts. I, I, we're 7-9. Seven and nine. Seven, oh, we've, we've lost seven of the last nine, Skip. Yeah. I got to give it, give them to them. Ty Lue said it. Give them 10 games and they'll figure it out. They did. They yeah. have figured it out. They yeah. look really good. You got to give them credit. They they clearly are the better team right now. Mm. Yeah. And figured it out with James Harden. I mean, once they moved uh, Westbrook off that point and gave they that did. ball to James Harden, yep. things changed, man. And, 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 and James Harden, guys, I see, I see him at the hotel over there in L.A. Do you? Uh, where I stay, yeah. Wow. And, and I'm going to tell you something. He's, he's happy. He looks happy. Trust me, he mm-hmm. is happy. Happy. He, he's right where he wants to be and playing like it. All right. So the Lakers have obviously been beat up. They haven't had Gabe Vincent. Rui's hurt. Cam Reddish has been hurt. Jared Vanderbilt. But LeBron yeah. at 39, understandably, and obviously can't carry a team the way he did in his 20s. It's as simple as that. But that is it for today's Undisputed. We are back tomorrow at 930 Eastern. And I cannot wait to educate Keyshawn as he returns to us tomorrow.